Hey guys, welcome back to the channel. Welcome back to the fig tree. Today is the 10th already, Sunday 2021. How's everyone doing today? I pray you're well. I pray your families are well in the name of Jesus. If you're new to our channel, we're all about encouraging the bride of Christ to overcome, to renew her mind, to endure to the end. I'm an elder and missionary, Bible teacher, Bible counselor. That's what I do uh, for a living, actually. I teach and counsel on various subjects, including the Bible. Um, I also have rapture dreams to share today. Um, just one. I had a um, dream vision uh, last night. I had the urge to share it, and I want to be obedient and faithful to that. Um, again, if you're new to our channel, we go over um, solid food Bible Bible teachings, which is the whole counsel of God. We don't throw anything out. We read it cover to cover, what the Bible has to say. Uh, I also share dreams and visions. You can go back. You'll have to go back and look for them. I have somewhere around 30 different rapture dreams and visions that I have uploaded. Um, we have taken a break from those, and uh, the Lord told me to just you know, to continue sharing, uh, renewing our minds and going over the exhortations and admonitions of the Lord, all the healthy verbs. But if you're into rapture dreams and visions, go back and take a look at those. Uh, I have around 30 of them um, that we put up just to be obedient. I've been having rapture dreams and visions since I was a seven-year-old, a little boy, throughout my teenage years, and then they really, really picked up in 2017. Um, so let's get to this uh, rapture dream vision that I, that I wanted to share today. Uh, that I had just last night. And before we get into that, it's true. Um, John 14, that in my father's house, there are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. Just wanted to send some encouragement out for that. Um, it's one of my favorite promises in the Bible, right next to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, that the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up, harpazo, raptus, raptoro, Greek and Latin, right down to the English, um, caught up. That is our key word for the snatching away. Uh, we're looking for it. We know we're in the season. No one knows that they are the hour at all. <laughs> but we know that we're uh, in that season, that we're sons of the day, sons of the light. We're not going to be caught by surprise. All throughout the Old Testament, we have types and shadows of that great faithful day. Read Malachi 3.17. talks to God, uh, gives us a description that were his jewels, those wise virgins. You know, it's beautiful. We have a great banquet hall of rich promises in the Lord. Um, that there's a group of people here that uh, there are going to be spared. Luke 21, 28 says that, uh, that as you see these things beginning to happen, to look up for your redemption draws nigh. In Revelation 3, 10, it talks about, I'm going to keep you from the hour of trial coming upon the whole world. Uh, that's us. <coughs> um, so amen for that, guys. Uh, just wanted to encourage you guys with that quickly. I know a lot of us, there's major things going on in the world. So I am praying for all of us, praying for you guys as well. Thank you for praying for my strength in the Lord as well. I appreciate that deeply. Let's renew our minds. Um, and let me get into what I saw this morning. I saw, actually it wasn't this morning, it was last night. Um, the word of God came upon me really strong, just hearing uh, the exhortations and hearing just the impression of his spirit, and that's when I had this dream vision. Um, it was on the Galilean wedding. It was very beautiful. Um, but this was unique. Um, it was at night. It took place at night. Uh, both the dream literally took place at night, but in the dream it was nighttime, kind of like midnight, somewhere around 1, 2 p.m. or a.m. in the morning. Um, the groom was with a, a pretty big crowd, 
had torches and lights. Um, and it was the Galilean wedding specifically. I, I, I saw this, this beheading. It was like a written out Galilean wedding. Um, the groom was with a large party of people. They were all happy. Torches. They were walking down the street. Big group. The bride was awake. She ran out to meet the groom. But the groom looked surprised to see her. Um, and even I was surprised as I was noticing. Uh, the groom said, who are you? As he looked <clears throat> at this woman um, standing before him, he said, who are you? Uh, she was excited to see, to see him, actually. And, but the groom had a question for her. Who are you? I tell you, these are the words that I heard coming from the groom in front of all the people. I tell you, I don't know you. And the woman, as I, as I zoomed in on the, as, on the woman in the dream, I noticed it was, it was unusual. She didn't have a wedding dress on, guys. Um, she didn't have a wedding dress. She had, like, plain clothing. And not only were the, was it like a like a plain dress, but it was a filthy dress. It was definitely not a wedding gown, as I was observing it. Uh, she was, <laughs> not only was it not a wedding gown, uh, but more of like a worker's dress. Uh, it was absolutely filthy. It was covered with dirt, like debris, almost like she had you know, got into some kind of tussle with someone or a lion, like it was torn or tattered is the word I'd like to use. Um, it, the dress was covered with dirt and mud, very dirty, very tattered, soiled. Now this picture doesn't even really do it justice. It was almost like she was kind of like this picture here where she was just uh, tussling with someone in the ground in the soil, very, very soiled and dirty. Um, and I noticed she didn't have her, her hair done, her, her nails weren't done, there was no makeup. Uh, not only was you know, her face, instead of makeup, it was like her face was dirtied as well, almost like bruised and tattered. Uh, withered is the word I'd like to use. Withered kind of reminds me of John 15 now, um, where it says you'll be, if you're not abiding, you'll be cast out as a branch and withered. That's how she looked, withered. Um, anyways, it was clear this woman had need, she didn't make any preparations at all. The groom had made preparations. You know, He had a shofar with him. He had a crowd of people with him. There was all this great, a formal... Uh, event attire, but she had made no preparations at all. She just ran out to meet him, you know. Um, and the groom said, I don't know you. And he didn't say it angrily. It was kind of like a questioning, I don't know you. Um, like a surprised, who are you again? And the woman was saying, this is what she said, Lord, Lord, but Lord, Lord. Uh, I heard the woman say it and she repeated it. And then again, the groom repeated, I tell you, I don't know where you are from. Depart from me, you who practice iniquity. Uh, this is the words I heard in the, in the dream. And as the dream ended, I saw the groom turn away from this unprepared. She was clearly a um, a foolish virgin. She was a she had to be. Uh, she was a bride, but she had no attire of the bride at all. In fact, plain clothing, not even an ordinary, just a regular, uh, unformal dress. Um, but the groom turned his attention away from her quickly, and he started to look towards, and I saw the image, like the shadow of several wise virgins who were farther back and away from this uh, unprepared bride. She, he was looking towards others, and these brides were fully dressed, fully dressed. Not only were they fully dressed, they were prepared, and they even had a certain fire in their eyes, almost like a keen like a readiness, an eagerness, hard to explain what the, this, this fire, it was like a flame that was in their eyes. They were, guys, they were ready to go. They were, they were just, they were on the ball. Um, 
and it was a readied eagerness, like a righteousness, like a zeal. Hard to explain what I felt, um, but it was almost like a, a likeness, like there was a oneness between them and the Lord. She wasn't foreign to the Lord. Like it was almost like she, and it talks about that in Second Peter that we're divine natures, we're partakers of the Lord, or we're one spirit with the Lord. It tells this talks about the bride and the unity that we already have here now. As born-again creatures of God, all things have passed away, all, all things are new, we have the Holy Spirit, the signet seal, all this great, wonderful, precious promises uh, that we have in the Lord. And that's what I saw in this dream. Like, uh, she, the, the wise virgins were so different than this unprepared uh, woman who didn't have the oil. She wasn't prepared. The, the wise virgins had the white uh, garment, clean and white. You know, it's the fine, it's the righteous acts of the saints, Revelation tells us. Uh, they, again, I was just marveling how different these wise virgins were to this unprepared woman who was ready. She ran out to meet to meet him. She actually beat the other ones. Um, but she was completely and woefully, horrendously unprepared. No makeup, no hair was done. Uh, it's like she just ran out of bed, but she had gotten into a catfight with a big lion in the mud. Um, so that's what I saw. Uh, the groom took a step towards these uh, wise virgins, and uh, the vision ended. And it was stark. It was very real. I could feel the emotions. I could see the stark contrast between uh, these other married. They weren't married, but these other virgins. Um, so I wanted to share that. Um, it really did make me think. I woke up, and I immediately thought of the ten virgins, the parable of the ten virgins. We get more detail about these ten virgins that five were foolish and five were wise. And it, it's it's sad because it's not a lot of people, not especially the pastors, like I'm an elder um, and I've been, you know, I've been studying eschatology well since I was maybe 10 years old. Literally, it's, it's fascinated me my whole life, um, Bible college and all of that. Um, but this, this vision was unique in that it really, really did show the difference between the foolish virgins and the wise virgins and even how they, the, their own countenance. Uh, this woman who was, you know, she didn't have the garb of a bride or a married woman. She didn't have the wedding dress. Even her mind, she seemed confused. She seemed uncertain. She seemed, you know, like Martha, Martha, you know, you're worried about many things. Jesus said to Martha, you know, and, you know, and what Mary had is not going to be taken from her. Mary sitting at the feet of the Lord, Martha running around, you know. Um, and the Lord even said, you know, she has chosen the better. She's chosen that which is better, you know. So it's just, just interesting. Um, I wanted to share that. It definitely put it on my heart. And some of you who are on the channel, you already know what I teach and how I feel about the parable of the ten versions. But I wanted to share this with, with others who don't know the existence of the Lord Lord community. Um, the Lord Lord community is mentioned in the Bible about five different times. Let's see if I could share that with you. It's about five times where where she's mentioned, and this is exactly what I saw. Uh, in, in, in the dream here and see if I can share it with you. Luke, 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 and Luke. Yeah, right down here. Um, it's exactly what I saw. Uh, when once the master of the house has risen up and he shuts the door and you begin to stand on the outside and knock saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. That's what I saw in the dream. And he will answer and say to you, I don't know you. This is exactly what he said. I don't know you. And look, he said, I don't know you. Let's see if I can, I don't know you. And I don't know where you're from. And then Jesus says, then you're going to begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and taught in, in your streets. But he will say, the Lord Jesus will say, I tell you, I don't know you. It's so interesting. Not only does he say, I don't know you. And this is Luke chapter 13, 
verse 26. Uh, he says, I tell you, I don't know you. But he also says, I don't know where you are from. And then, depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. They're mentioned five times in the Bible. A, a, a large group. We know they're large because Jesus said, it's many. Many shall say unto me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not done this? Have we not done this? Have we not cast out demons? Look, Lord, we look, 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 look. You know, and trying to impress the Lord as if he doesn't know. And he's saying, depart from me you workers of iniquity, coming right down to the idolatry in their hearts, loving places and persons and things, and not turning away from sin, living a life of rebellion, not walking in repentance, not obeying the Lord, all of that, all the hundreds, hundreds of exhortations and admonitions that we have as followers of Christ to walk with him. There is a Lord, Lord community that is not being mentioned by the great masses of pastors, celebrity pastors, watchmen. They're not talking about the Lord, Lord community. These people that are mentioned in the Bible, and Jesus says they are many. Um, so it's, it's, it's the ten virgins, for those of you who don't know. Uh, it says the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins, not ten wise virgins. It just says virgins. It tells you what they are. Five of them were wise. Five of them were foolish. This is Matthew 25, chapter 25. You can read about it yourself. We know that the door is shut on the foolish virgins. And look what they're saying. Just the same thing that I saw in the dream. They're saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And Jesus is, has the same response as in Luke 13. He says, assuredly, I say to you, I don't know you. All right. And then he says, watch therefore, for you neither know the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. He says, I don't know you. And the one thing the watchmen aren't doing, the celebrity pastors aren't doing, they're not telling people to get themselves ready to have the oil of intimacy with the Lord, the oil of of abiding in Christ. The foolish virgins took no oil with them. It's one thing to say the Lord is coming. Okay. It's another thing to say, uh, turn away from sin, repent, abide in Christ, walk in humility, seek out the fruits of the Spirit, turn away. Uh, the Bible gives us many exhortations. Well, honestly, it says it right here better than ever in Ephesians chapter 4. It talks about walking in unity. And it says, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. If you're going to beseech someone, you're going to be begging them because that is the definition here. As a teacher, I like to get into definitions, and beseeching means to beg fervently. It's urgent. You're in a desert. You're parched. You're thirsty. <laughs> okay? And you're asking someone, please hand me a cup of water. If you're dying of thirst, you're going to beseech them, please, you know, give me a cup of water. You're on your knees. You're, you're, you're grabbing them at the waist, you know, at, at the knees, and you're begging them, please give me a cup of water. I'm so thirsty. That's, that's what you'll use in beseeching. All right, we have Ephesians, the writer of Ephesians saying, look, I beseech you, walk worthy of the calling which which you were called. And this worthy, that, that exhortation, it's in the Bible, somewhere around 10, uh, 14 times of walking worthy of the Lord, walking worthy of the calling, walking worthy of the one, living acceptable. Uh, it's your reasonable service to live your life holy and acceptable. All right, it tells us that. And then we come right down here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, it says, Therefore I testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, having their understanding darkened. Okay, Gentiles is the world, all right, non-Jewish people, that's us, okay, the rest of the world, that we should no longer walk as the rest of the world. Okay, we shouldn't have our understanding darkened. 
being alienated from the life of God. That's not a good thing. We can all agree. Because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, it says the heart is desperately wicked, okay? That we're born in sin, conceived in, in, in iniquity. It says that we were dead in trespasses and sins, okay? But now we're made alive unto God, okay? We're born again by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the blood of Christ, okay? But, you know, you have to be born again. Because if you're not born again, you're, you're, you're on the outside looking in, all right? And then it says here, look, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanliness. And to be given over to lewdness is pretty severe. Okay, lewdness is a gross definition. This is like hardcore sexual immorality, fornication, wild prodigal living. That's not a good word. It says these people have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanliness with greediness. So not only are you sexually immoral, you're a fornicator, you're a wild, you're a wild person, okay? But you're also greedy. It says, look, if you, but you have not so learned Christ, okay? If, if you're walking in these things, the writer to Ephesians is saying, you have not learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, all right? And then it tells us to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, okay? Um, and it even tells us to put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. That's us. That's the born again. We're no longer dead in trespasses and sins. We have God working in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is something I wanted to to communicate. Um, this this Galilean wedding dream was really sharp um, and cutting, and the emotions were <clears throat> were very raw. They were visceral. You know. Uh, just to see this woman standing alone out there in the street. She was not prepared. She was so happy to see the Lord, so happy to see the groom. Um, the large party of people were there, and here he is. He comes to her, and he's saying, Who are you? Who are you? It was like it was question. He, it was almost like he didn't really know. Who are you? Um, so I pray that's not you. You can turn away from sin today. You can ask the Lord to come into your heart. You don't have to have a dirty, tattered dress that's soiled. Um, you don't have to. You can turn away from pride and arrogance. It says, therefore, in Second Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Jude says, now unto him who can keep you from stumbling, you can walk with the Lord. You can confess your sins. Uh, it says here that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I pray that's you, because um, we do have exhortations to live by. Um, this Lord, Lord community is not turning away from sin. And there's a lot of confusion here. And let me see if I can just share this with you because it's not taught as much, actually, at all. E even Paul, uh, the grace teacher in the Bible, Paul says three times, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. The second time he says, do not present your, your members as instruments of unrighteousness. The third time he says, for sin shall not have dominion, rulership, ownership, Okay, it's not to enslave your mind and your heart and your soul. Okay, and then it tells us you're not under the law, but you're under grace. This is Paul here. This is the Paul that, you know, the, the mighty grace teacher, you know, the once saved, always saved teacher. You know, we need to listen to what Paul has to say. The, the faith alone community, especially, he's saying three times, do not let sin reign in your body. Do not present your members as instruments to unrighteousness. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Um, why? It's quite. It's it's evident. You know, the grace of God teaches us. It says that the grace of God uh, brings salvation. It says it right here, 
for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us that denying ungodliness, one, worldly lust, two, that we should live soberly, three, righteously, four, and godly, five, in this present world. That's five things that the grace of God teaches us, that it teaches us that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly right now, right now, in this present world. This is a present tense definition of grace. It's not to be abused. Grace teaches us to live right now before the Lord. It teaches you, it'll train you, you know, and that's why it says that you were dead in trespasses and sins. Were is past tense. You were dead. This is how we can know that we're born again. You know, has has the light of Christ come into your light? It's not going to be perfect. Um, that's why we confess our sins. He's faithful. He's just to forgive you of your sin. It's a race, Paul says. I run the race. I fight the good fight. So there is a difference. Walk as children of light. Um, you know, because many pastors, especially, you know, the watchmen and the elders and the pastors, like 95% of them, they're saying there's seven types of worldly Christians, that you can be a worldly Christian. There's no such thing. There's You're either lukewarm <laughs> or you're not lukewarm. You're either obeying Jesus or you're not obeying Jesus. There are no worldly Christians. I mean, the, the lukewarm Christians are mentioned in the Bible and Revelation, but they're projectile vomited out of the mouth of the Lord. I don't think you want that to be you. That's not a good thing. But you have these pastors, most of them, like 95% of them, and elders and the celebrity pastors especially, <laughs> They're, they're, they're saying that, you know, worldly Christians, they're almost saying that, oh, that's a good thing. The, the serious Christians are saying that only serious Christians will make the rapture. It's like, what? There, there are no serious Christians. There's only a Christian who's obeying Jesus or not obeying the Lord. You're either abiding in the Lord or not abiding in the Lord. You're either lukewarm or you're not lukewarm. Okay? You're either living in prideful disobedience to Jesus or you're not living in disobedience. You're either following Jesus <laughs> or you're not following Jesus. And I don't recommend that. Follow the Lord. Follow his teachings. Walk in repentance. You're either keeping God's word in your heart. That's a verb. Many times the Bible tells you to keep, retain, hold fast, be steadfast. Keep the word of God in your heart. You know That's our responsibility as followers of God to do that, to abide in the Lord, to stay, to meno. Um, so walk, meno is Greek, by the way. Meno is Greek for abide. Meno means to stay, to continue in, to not depart, for those of you who, who aren't aware, aware of that. Uh, walking in darkness, okay? You're either walking in darkness, you're, you're, you're not, you're backsliding, you're, you're wandered from the Lord, walking in darkness, or you're walking in light. There are no seven types of worldly Christians, okay? Uh, the pastors of our time, they're con not only confusing people, but they're letting them know that you could do all this stuff and you're just going to, you know, stroll right into heaven and with your pants on fire. They're, they're either abiding in the Lord, you're either lukewarm, you're either keeping God's word, or you're not. You're either walking in darkness, or you're not. You're either walking in the spirit, or you're walking in the lusts of the flesh. You're either continuing in the faith, or wandering away and backsliding. Those those only the only two options you have here. That's why the Bible gives us by the hundreds of times, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And you're not doing the things I say. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, with their lips, that's the lip service. Not only the it's not everyone who gives God the lip service is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father. Very important. This doing, the does, uh, the verbs of the Bible. Very important that we get that. Don't love the world. Don't love the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This is what the Bible says. That everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it doesn't come from the Father. 
Okay, it just doesn't. It comes from the world. These are Bible verses. 1 John 2.16 1 Corinthians tells us that we cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. That you cannot have a part in the Lord's table and the table of the Lord. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. Tells you again. Matthew 6.24 no, no one can serve two masters. That includes you and me. We're a part of that no one. No one can serve two masters. You're either going to hate the one or love the other. You're going to be devoted to the one or despise the other. You cannot serve God in money even though they say it's your best life now and the best is yet to come and you know that you're you're a bad person if you're poor oh you're a sinner if you're poor this is all the nonsense i heard growing up you know it's 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 nonsense jesus tells us many many times that uh to defend to keep the word of god he doesn't want it to slip out of our hearts that's a bad thing he doesn't want that that's why he told philadelphia in revelation 3 philadelphia did some things she kept because you kept my command to persevere. It's right here. It's right here. Kept. That's a verb. A verb. Okay? You kept my command to persevere. That's a very good thing. That's what he says. And then I'm, I'm going to keep you from the hour of trial coming upon the whole world. Then he says, you kept my word. It's very important because to, to Laodicea, he says, you don't know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You say that I'm rich. I don't need to repent. I'm wealthy. I don't need to walk in confession, I don't need to be obedient, and I don't need anything. That's what Laodicea said. I don't need the oil, like the foolish virgins. I don't need to make any preparation. And then Jesus says down here, as many as I love, I rebuke, and I chasten. Therefore, be zealous. Ah, oh, shucks. You mean I can't be lukewarm? I can't do whatever I want? Therefore, be zealous. What? I can't live in disobedience? Therefore, be zealous. Oh, so I, uh, it's, it's, you know, I, I have to abide in the Lord. It's wrong for me to, to wander away and backslide. Jesus says, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice, you got something to do. Here's a command. Open the door for crying out loud. Please open the door to your heart. It's not going to force you. That's what he says. If anyone hears my voice, you've got something to do. Open the door. Then I'll come in. Then I'll dine with you. And then he with me. This is why he tells us to abide multiple times. Multiple times. We have something to do. Ephesians tells us, I beseech you. I beg you. I fervently beg you. That's what it means. I beg you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. It's true. I believe that. And this is what the Bible says. Because, you know, the pastors of our time will say something different. They, they, they almost have a different vernacular. We know that no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. That's what Jesus said. And I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. That's the vine dresser, okay? That's the vine dresser of John 15. I am the vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, okay, he, the vine dresser, takes away. So, you know, obeying Jesus really is not the same as disobeying the Lord, living a lifestyle of obedience and living a lifestyle of disobeying the Lord. It's not the same thing. But pastors will say, oh, it is the same thing. These serious Christians are saying that um, that it's like there are no serious Christians. There's only Christians that are obeying or disobeying. Christians that are abiding and not abiding. Christ Christians, followers of Christ who are walking in the Spirit and the ones who aren't. We have choices to make. You're either renewing your mind or you're not. Um, but we want to give labels and different definitions and confuse everything. You're either abiding in the Lord daily 
you know, it's not the same thing as choosing not to abide in Christ. I don't want anything to do with renewing my mind or reading the Bible or praying, and that's boring. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to turn on Netflix. I want to watch some pornography. I want to do everything the Bible tells us not to do. The lewdness of Ephesians, you know, um, it tells us that. The, the Galatians, the being given over to darkness and unforgiveness and gossiping and, and pride and arrogance, all of these things that we're told to avoid. It's just not the same thing. Living in obedience, it's not the same thing as living in disobedience. Uh, choosing to follow Jesus, it's not the same thing as choosing not to follow Jesus. Being lukewarm, mm, sorry, it's not the same thing as being zealous. And pastors will tell you that. Oh, it's the same thing. We're all making it to heaven. It's universalism. You know, uh, we're all just going to get in there. That's not the parable of of Matthew 25. It's not even the parable of Luke 8 and Luke 13. Let's see if I can share that with you here. Uh, the parable of the sower. The seed is the word of God. The, the seed by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes the word out of their hearts. That's what it says here. Lest they should believe and be saved. He, the rulers of darkness has the ability to take the word out of your heart if you're not renewing your mind. If you're not seeking out the Lord and abiding, staying, keeping, retaining his word, okay? That takes <laughs> intentionality, you know, faith with efforts, faith with deeds, faith with movement, faith with human calories. You're moving into this. That's why the Bible says it about four different times. Faith without works is dead. Just as the body without the spirit is dead, faith without works is dead. Faith without human movement. True faith will always cause a human being to move in reverent, holy, godly fear and zealousness and obedience. It's just common sense. At a, that's at a practical fifth grade lemonade stand level. You know, you got five workers who are working with you at a lemonade stand. You got faith in action going into work, you know, <laughs> at the same time. They're not all just sitting there looking up at the sky and no one's selling lemonade and the lemonade will sell itself. And this is just basic, basic stuff, but, you know. Our generation of Christians, we don't want to hear anything to do with responsibility. And uh, following the Lord, we we follow the Lord not to be saved. We follow the Lord because we are saved. Um, it's just what happens when Daddy moves into your heart, when he regenerates a human being uh, that we're no longer dead in trespasses and sins. Old things have passed away. All things are new. We're renewing our mind so that the rulers of darkness, the devil, can't come and take the word out of our hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. In other words, if he didn't come and take it out of their hearts, they would have believed and they would have been saved. Then you got the types that fall among the rocks. You know, the word of God falls upon the rocks, the stony hearts. They receive the word. They even receive the word with joy, but they have no root. They're not abiding with the Lord. They wander away. And they even believe, that's the thing here, they believe, and they believe for a while, but in a time of temptation, they fall away. And if, he, if the enemy can't get you there, he'll try to choke you with the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and you bring no fruit to maturity. There's only one type that bears the fruit, and it's the ones who keep it. Verb, that's an action word, keeping. It's almost like the same word of abiding. They keep it, and they bear fruit with patience. So I want to I want to share that because I don't want you know I don't want that to be said of anyone but we know the reality of that there will be foolish versions there will be a lord lord community who's making lip service they're confused they're walking in darkness trying to honor God at the same time and I read we can't do that you can't love the world and love God at the same time it even says if you're a friend of the world okay you can't do both you can't walk in darkness it's not the same thing as walking in the light if a pastor tells you that run from them Walking in the Spirit is different than walking in the lusts of the flesh. You know, you're trying to quench the Spirit, okay? If you're quenching the Holy Spirit, it's not the same thing as living holy 
and acceptable in the perfect will of God. That's Romans 12. All right, it's just not the same. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. But the watchmen of our time, they are failing, like 95% of them, they're all failing to mention, to tell the bride that she has to turn away from sin. Repent, walk in obedience before the Lord, before Jesus Christ, find out what is acceptable. Read Romans 12, talks about a reasonable service. Uh, that, you know, Paul talks about beseeching. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, to live your lives holy and acceptable. It's the perfect will of God. Hebrews tells us to lay aside every weight and the sin that easily ensnares us. That's that's our responsibility. Um, and lastly, even I did this. I did a study on this just a couple days ago on following. Actually, this was my last upload. And we did a whole teaching on that, what it means to follow. Because you got pastors and elders telling people, oh, you don't have to follow the Lord. Look, if you're following the Lord, that's a serious Christian. But, you know, you can be a Christian that doesn't follow the Lord. It's like, that doesn't exist. Either you're following the Lord, you can't follow someone, and then not follow someone at the same exact time. You cannot obey. It's like a five-year-old. Okay, I'll, I'll obey you, Daddy. Okay, and then disobey you at the exact same time in the exact same second. That's impossible by definition. You're, you're either, I know this is common sense for some of us, but I have to say this because a lot of people out there are saying that you can follow the Lord and not follow him at the exact same time. And that is insanely impossible by definition. Um, follow in the Greek is uh, para. It's para. Para kolotheo. Para. Para. Para kolotheo. It means to follow closely, to investigate, okay, to accompany, to follow closely. That is the Greek word for follow. Para kolotheo. Okay? It's very similar to abide. Uh, the Greek word for abiding is meno. Meno, a primary verb, is to continue, okay, to dwell, to continue to be present. I think we can all agree that you cannot continue to be present with someone and then not be present with them at the same time. You're either remaining or continuing with someone or not continuing. You, by definition, you can't do the same. That's why the Lord's saying you can't love the world and love me at the same time. You can't be a friend of the world. And be, it's enmity, the Bible says. You're quenching the Spirit. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. You can't stay and follow the Lord and then unfollow it and, and, and not stay with the Lord. It's very difficult for me to even communicate that. That's why the Bible, over and over again, it talks about follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. Do a word search on how many times Jesus says, follow me. It's the same word for right here, for para, para kalatheo, para, to closely follow. It's a closeness. It's like it's the image of a child grabbing onto his parents' pants leg. You're closely following, okay? So it's important. Um, para, fought to follow after, to follow, as, as to always be at one side, to follow closely. So I just wanted to go over this. It's, it's important that we understand what the Bible is asking us to walk in because Jesus does tell us to abide in me. And we have a picture of someone who's sleeping. They're not abiding. They're not walking with the Lord. And you got someone who's running the race and fighting the good fight. Jesus spoke to them, again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. That's what a Christian looks like. It's not perfection. When we when we stumble, when we fall, we repent, we turn away from sin. You know, old things have passed away, all things have become new. We're no longer dead in trespasses and sins. And that's why the Bible says, I love it because it says right here that there's only one person working in us. For the people who want to say, works, works, works over here. 
There's only one person, the vine dresser, and the vine working in the salvation of a human being, a soul that has been regenerated. God who works in you, both to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes, that we're dead and trespasses and sins, okay? That we can't, we have nothing to contribute. One person driving the car, God working, both on your mind to will and in your actions, that's what you do. So I wanted to go over that. Uh, I don't want to spend too long on this. I just wanted to get this dream out that that it was uh, just impressing on my soul. And my, my encouragement is to not be a foolish virgin, to follow the Lord. Matthew, it's Matthew 10.38. He who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy. Many times in the Bible, Jesus says he speaks to people who aren't worthy of him. If you love your father, your mother, sister, or brother, husband, or wife more than me, you're not worthy. If you don't take up your cross, his cross, you're not worthy. If you're not following the Lord Jesus, you're not worthy. And that's para, para kalatheo, para. That's that's a close following. That's, you know, people who, like I used to be a martial artist, a black belt. <clears throat> I follow the martial arts. There's different styles. Some people follow different programs of martial arts, different styles. Same thing with people. Some people followed Paul, some Cephas. Some people followed uh, John the Baptist. Uh, pe people followed Elijah. Elijah founded the School of the Prophets. Okay, There's people that, you know, even in our day, there's people that follow movie actors. Jesus is saying, follow para, para kalatheo, follow me. Okay, It's very similar to meno in the Greek, abide, continue with, stay. All right, And if you're not following me, Jesus says, you're not worthy. This is what he said to the rich young ruler, too. Um, then he said to them, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Okay, para. But Jesus said to them, follow me, and let the dead bury their own dead. Matthew chapter 9. I'm just reading Bible verses here. That's all I'm doing, full counsel of God. And Jesus passed on from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office and said to him, Matthew, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Okay. If you want to be perfect, go, sell everything that you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, para, para kalatheo, follow me, okay? Abide, continue with, stay, remain, be steadfast, don't wander away, don't backslide. Backslide is spoken of by God himself in the book of Jeremiah. He uses the word backslide like 20 times. It just means to return back to darkness. Don't do it. You can't, again, you can't follow Jesus and then unfollow him at the same time. You're either following the Lord, or you're not following the Lord. There are no worldly Christians. Okay, There are no serious Christians. You're either following Christ, or you're not following the Lord. We have all these definitions for people that want to stay lukewarm. It's it's a disaster. Okay, We need to tell people to come out of sin, because you're not following the Lord Jesus if your lifestyle is dominated by sin, rebellion, idolatry, sexual immorality, lewdness, all these heinous sins that we're told to come out of, come out of your my people. Okay, talks, Jesus talks about fighting against his own church with the sword of his mouth. He talks about plagues that will come upon you. Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her plagues. He's talking to his own church. We have so much pride. We don't want to hear what the Lord has to say about following me. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. One, take up his cross. Two, follow me. Three, you have something to do. Verbs, follow after the Lord. Abide in Christ. The Christian responsibility to stay with the Lord. Not to wander away. You are not a worldly Christian if you're not following the Lord. You're simply just not following the Lord. You've backslidden. You've returned to the dog's vomit. You're not following Daddy. All right? There are big dangers right here. No one wants to hear it. See how much time I have left. I don't want to take it too long. Yeah. The dangers of not following the Lord are, are huge. 
they, they turn their sons away from me. I, I don't even have time to get into this. There's so much. But again, I want to wrap it up. Not following Jesus is to live in lukewarm disobedience. If you've got pastors and celebrity pastors and watchmen telling you that you could live in lukewarm disobedience, that you could turn away from the Lord, that you could watch your pornography and stay in pornography, that you could live in full-blown, open, prideful um, disobedience and unrepentant sin, the vine dresser, read John 15, will remove you. It talks about that in John 15. My father, I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch that is in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He says it again. A second time, he says, the branches that if you wander, that if anyone does not abide in me, he says, they're cast out as a branch, withered, thrown into fire, and burned over and over and over again. In the Bible, the lukewarm pastors don't cover it. It's like 99% of them. They do not cover this material. It's only a love-only faith alone, you know, God is only love, God has no severity, God is a fluffy kitten, alright? Oh, you could disobey, you're just a worldly Christian. That's not in the Bible. The worldly ones are vomited out of his mouth. He doesn't recognize them. Who are you? They're the foolish virgins of Matthew 25. Lukewarm is disobedience. That's why it says in Ephesians, let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Not abiding in the Lord is disobedience. And he takes it very seriously. We don't. See, we've changed. God says, come back to me. Return. I'll heal your land. I'll come back to me. But we're saying, oh no, like where is our Nineveh moment, right? America is so proudful, prideful. Uh, we have a, an abomination doctrine. Um, we, we don't know anything about the God of the Bible that says turn away from sin and rebellion. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. It's here. And it's coming upon the sons of disobedience. That's why the rapture is promised to those who are walking with the Lord, who are abiding, Mano. You know, para, they're following the Lord. Para, kalatheo, okay? It's the truth. But the 99% pastors, celebrity pastors, watchmen, they're saying it's okay to be lukewarm. You're just a worldly Christian. I'm telling you, okay? <laughs> Read your Bible. Read the full counsel of God's word. Let us be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. That's Hebrews chapter 4.11. I can teach on this for five hours. No one, very few, are teaching on the full counsel of God's words. They're just not. It's a fluffy, lukewarm, love, 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 love to the end of the, of the world. God has no righteousness. God has no holiness. God has no severity. God has no indignation. God has no wrath. God doesn't care, and he does. This is why there's foolish and wise virgins. You can profess to know God, but in works, deny him being abominable, disobedient, disqualified for every good work. You can grieve the Holy Spirit, and I pray that's not you. I don't want this to go too long, but I did want to share uh, this this dream. I pray that you're not like the dog who goes back to the vomit. That's Second Peter 2.20. You can read about it. Second Peter 2.20. For if after they escape the pollution of the world, through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, you're saved. You've escaped the pollution of the world through Jesus Christ. These are saved Christians. But you're again entangled in them and the pollution of the world. And you're overcome. And it says the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. And then it says it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. In other words, these people knew the way of righteousness. It says it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn. This is the backsliding. Backsliding means to turn. They knew the way of righteousness and they turned 
from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it's happened to this group, the foolish virgins. It's happened to them according to the true book proverb. A dog returns to his own vomit. You can read about that in Second Peter 2.20. Okay, read about that whole thing. Go through it. Okay, it's very important that you understand this, that God is serious about disobedience. It's not perfection. When we sin, simply repent, guys. That's all. Repent. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and he's just. He's right there. But again, prideful people can't repent. You're once saved, always saved. Many people have pride and arrogance. Um, look, you can repent. Even if you're in the faith alone community and you you know, you know have a certain doctrine or dogma, turn away from sin and rebellion and idolatry and lewdness and gossiping and hatred and all of the garbage of the world. Turn away from it. Confess. Repent. Walk with the Lord. Okay? Um, we don't have much longer before the rapture actually happens and we're out of here. And then the grace period starts up. That's the great tribulation. All right? It's real. I pray you're well in the Lord. If you willfully sin after you've received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. It talks about that in Hebrews chapter 10, 26. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, I pray. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Hold fast what is good. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Put off the old man who was crucified. All right? You're no longer a slave to sin. That's, that's, a, that's a regenerated creature of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is in them. Don't lie to one another. Don't lie to one another. It talks about putting off the old man again. Heavy stuff. I pray that you're walking with the Lord and be well in the name of Jesus. Maranatha Church. Take care, guys.